0: Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Well, we made it everyone. It is the third and final episode of this week, The Triple Threat. And let me tell you, I did not anticipate the next guest was themselves going to be A triple threat with various skills, jobs. I'm very excited to share this episode. A lot of things were discussed that I did not expect. And that's my favourite kind of episodes when I leave very surprised and shocked in a good way. That's the whole point of this podcast, as we know. I won't dwell too much because it's always my favourite thing to let the guests tell you about themselves. Katie Williams was honestly such a gorgeous guest to host. Not only is she gorgeous to look at, she is also such a beacon of light, wanting to, like myself, share and give other people stories and voices to be heard from specifically marginalized communities. That to me is such an important person in the world there is discussion i will give a trigger warning now of eating disorders so if you're not in a good frame of mind or you just wouldn't like to listen because of that we fully respect that Um, myself and katie actually ended up discussing both our experiences of eating disorders and it did get quite intense so obviously if you are not keen on listening to that today tomorrow or ever do zone out now and maybe turn it off and come back at another point you're feeling better important discussions also are had about mental health and therapy I think anyone that's going to therapy right now could really benefit listening to these comments that are made you know therapy isn't an eight-week program that you do and you're sorted for life you know it's a an ongoing process you take into your everyday life you know you're not given a toolkit and told here's instructions but don't make the final product I think that's the way I'd like to look at it also, please do listen out for my Raj M <laughs> fuse box analogy. I thought it was actually quite clever the more I thought about it. I'm very again, good on my feet sometimes, so sometimes make witty comments. But back to the episode, it's such a pleasure and such a lovely connection to make from this episode to introduce you to BBC Social presenter, content provider, and journalist Katie Williams of the trio it is so exciting to have this gorgeous human on the podcast their makeup is looking fabulous we um, thank you you're welcome we have both ran a wee bit late today but i'm loving that that's the vibe it's been a chaotic <laughs> week and um, and it's it's lovely and a privilege to introduce the gorgeous and amazing katie williams
1: thank you thank you so much for having me i did my makeup specially for you
0: Oh, and I took my off. How apt is that? I love that. Um, So for my followers listening, Katie, could you please introduce
1: yourself? Um, I'm Katie. I live in Stirling in Scotland. Uh, I am a suppose, freelance multimedia journalist. I'm also a waitress, uh, opinionated waitress, actually. Let's put that in. (laughs) And um, yeah, I think, oh, and I also have a podcast. I'm also a podcaster as well.
0: Fantastic. The triple threat. Literally, we've got a triple threat week and you're the triple threat. I love it. Um, So Katie, what's
1: your podcast? So my podcast is called Northern Natter. I have produced it and created it with my co-host other Katie uh, and she is from Sunderland in England and it's all about trying to be journalists, media people without moving to London and oh, yeah. emphasis on staying regional or at least you know finding ways to do it without having to relocate down south.
0: That's fascinating. We're gonna go more into that later as we talk about projects and sort of what's been going on during the pandemic, but that's amazing. I didn't realize, thank you so much for sharing that. That's a Not great really. angle, I love that. Thank um, you. So let's kind of get the ball rolling. Where did you grow up and study work? Um, before you decided to go
1: down the route of journalism? So I grew up in Elgin, uh, which is right at the top of Scotland, pretty much on the northeast. And yeah, grew up there. And just before I was 18, I moved to Edinburgh to study acting and performance at Edinburgh College.
0: Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Not a lot of people, like... You know, I've definitely changed sort of social circles since then. Um, uh-huh. I'm 26 now, so it was—it feels like ages ago since all that was happening. Um, right, okay. So, I, yeah, I don't tend to talk about it that much. Like, I obviously didn't take that route. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a diploma, so it was only two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's weird. I mentioned it. Me and Katie did, like, a Meet the Host episode for our podcast, which will be coming out whenever we can edit it. And um, I kind of mentioned on that, that I, the experience there was kind of split into two. So I had, you know, student accommodation, which is where I met really good friends. And it was like a little family Um ends up living with them, you know, those people for a few years after. Um, but college itself was awful. Like the classes, it was just probably like, yeah, the worst time of my life. <laughs> yeah, like, it's all right. Like I was going through like other stuff as well, like mentally. But, yeah, so it just didn't work out. And I think after the two years, I realised, like, this isn't really what I want to do. You know, I really, I love film. I love theatre. I love storytelling and how an idea can come from your head and put onto a screen. And, yeah, just, and I'm such a creative, I've always been such a creative person. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, but that just wasn't the route for me. And I think by the end of the two years, I realised, you know, I need to see what else is out there. So after that um, poll thing, <laughs> um, I took a year out of education, and I I started to blog. I think halfway through my second year of college, um, and that's how I met Louise actually.
0: Wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, I love this. So we've that's, got, yeah, we've got like all these like circles of people in Edinburgh, so you'll know from moving and living in Edinburgh for now so long actually that it's <laughs> so um you know small everyone knows everyone somehow after like for example i've got guests from all backgrounds we've had someone from even england on the podcast you know i mean but very much especially in edinburgh like i know people in glasgow i know people in elgin or from elgin know people everywhere really in scotland but in edinburgh i mean it's not a vanity. it's mad and it's not a vanity thing to say this But my one of my best friends, we once, switched a couple weeks ago, went for coffee, and then we were going to Lidl, and I think we ran into six people that she had (laughs) never met before, all throughout the getting to Lidl, well, leaving the cafe, getting to Lidl, getting back to mine. She lives around the corner from me, and she said, Mm -hmm. "You've seen about six people, and none of them were together." I was like, "Yeah, one from high school, one from uni, one from my old job, like." But leave, especially such a cul de sac, so.
1: Yeah, well, I I used to live in Leith as well. I lived there for two years. Oh, yeah.
0: Where about did you
1: stay in Leith? Just the foot of the walk, so... Oh, yeah,
0: down the bottom. Yeah, I'm I'm off Albert Street, which is just in, yeah.
1: I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. If I ever moved back to Edinburgh, I'd probably move back to Leith. Cool.
0: So what was the blog?
1: Oh, so the blog was, uh, I think it changed names a few times, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it's like Little Katie. Uh, oh, like I know shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just like a... Went from like fashion to lifestyle to mental health. Um, like I covered mental health loads through it, um, talking about my recovery. So I, uh, when I was a teenager, I went through uh, an eating disorder. I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 18. And um, so that's why like college was just a bit of a shit show, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I used... Yeah, and an acting course as well. I can even imagine yeah. you've know, made things easier. So, um, Thank you for no. sharing that. That was amazing of
1: you to share that with me. Thank you. Uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, I don't mind talking about it um,
0: a little bit. So. Talk about as much as you want
1: Yeah, but yeah, like you said, like acting is not the... I wouldn't say acting is the right thing to do during that time because the lecture. I'm not going to go on too much because I can honestly bitch about it, but this isn't a time to bitch. (laughs) But the lecture was very much a sort of, I'll break you down and build you back up sort of lecturer. I've Um,
0: I've met a few and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough.
1: Um, Especially when they don't actually like build you up or do anything for your confidence. They just want to like tear you down. And I'm like, I I tear myself down every day. Like I don't need you to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so I used my blog to sort of discuss that. And almost like like cathartic way of writing about it and about you know my recovery, um. Because once I finished, so I had therapy for a year, but obviously once you finish therapy, it's still a process and you're still moving on and learning about yourself and mm. basically like learn teaching myself like how to enjoy food and how to how to cook and everything. Um. So yeah, so I was using that and what did I do? oh that was it and my year off um. I wanted to try and do something else apart from blogging. And I found a online theatre magazine looking for writers. And I applied and that was it. And so I did that for, I think, about 10 months. But it was a proper, like, I didn't get paid, obviously. Mm. (laughs) Art is life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And there was a whole thing on, like, journalism Twitter about no one get like, no journalists getting paid or anything like that. So that's quite relevant now. Um, But, yeah, so that was, like, my first, like, journalism gig. Um, and that was before like I went to uni or anything to study it Um, and I was like phoning up um, directors and actors and producers like in London on the phone and interviewing them and then writing up the articles and yeah and then after that I was like oh you know what I think this is it I think I found that creative outlet that creative path that I wanted Um, and it's and it suits me really well I think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh,
0: yes, totally. their horn. <laughs> oh, blow your horn girl blow your horn <laughs> it's funny and you know you're so right because i know so many people that study any kind of arts degree drama performing degrees and they end up actually going into tv presenting and journalism type jobs and mm-hmm. like i i know we'll be touching on it later but, the BBC social, but i have been developing a BBC social video that comes out this month and I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I'll be good at this. Because like, I just was like, oh, I'm very good if you give me a script talking, but I'm not the most sort of... Um, the, I wouldn't have never anticipated I would go into a presenting room. But in doing this podcast, made me go, oh, I really like chatting to people, and that sort of chat post role. And then I was like, okay, you know, things happen during summer into now that working with different producers, looking at things that are used to social, and then eventually I went oh, do you know what? I actually could do this. This would be really fun. And I would love to have sort of maybe go down the route of talk show host in the future. Who knows? I mean, um, so, yeah, I totally get it's,
1: that. Yeah. It's so fun. I absolutely love it. And I love chatting to people. Like, that's the part of, like, the journalism side that I really love. And just finding out what people are doing and their sort of point of view as well. That was the other thing. Like, because my blog is very, like, self-centred, obviously, because mm. it's my blog. Yeah. And what I prefer... To, to do now is just like show other people's stories you know like loads of people can have a very similar sort of life to me and I just it's really important to me to sort of shine a light on people who aren't getting seen or aren't having their voices heard and that's what I want to do.
0: I love that you're giving people um, a voice I love that yeah that's literally the point of this podcast so how ironic is that to say that I love that yeah (laughs) we're very we're very like me and you I quite like this and
1: well if you ever want to work again together I'm totally up for it already (laughs) I'm
0: very much programming that in my head as we talk now (laughs) and so it's really interesting because then I used to write a blog a tumblr blog but I used to write a blog now a lot of people that are my friends now don't know this part about me because they were sort of people that I became friends with five years ago but uh, I'm 25 now, so it would have been 17. And um, Tumblr was the craze; Everyone had Tumblr. Yeah. Tumblr nice was Tumblr. Uh, and Tumblr was just that share a gift when you're feeling really depressed or sad to show how you feel. <laughs> share a really <laughs> sexual theme if you're getting the horn. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was stuff like that. <laughs> and and I, I used to followers. I was really into it. I used to, like, message people from, like, Canada, America that I never met for. And it was my best friend. Who, um, one of my best friends who stays in England, Southampton. Used to live here that got me into it. And she had like an incredible poetry blog. And I was like, all oh, right. So I started kind of doing a, what I would like to call Carrie Bradshaw of the queer community essentially.
1: Oh, I love <laughs> that I,
0: already. Well, you would love it, but I don't think any of the men I went out with did. <laughs> <laughs> so what had happened was years ago in 2013, my lung collapsed and I was very early. And in the background between that, sort of before that happened, I had been like the victim of sexual assault, which I've spoken about on the BBC9. And um, that was kind of my blog, was me going through the trauma and the coping of it, right? And I was doing sort of a dear diary type thing every day, but I wouldn't say dear diary and say something else, like, hello everyone, it's me. And, mm-hmm. and I would write things that now I'm like, oh God, you were very brave and bold saying these things about guys you were dating. Because yeah, <laughs> sure. I just remember one of them texting me, like, uh, so you've got a vlog about me, this is really offensive. And I was like, and what makes it think it's you I put, I'm limiting put fake names, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like <laughs> our soul, yes, that's you. Like yeah. <laughs> so I did that, and basically what happened was the first ever show I did with like, a company called Create Electric was um, all called "Him Alive it was all about my experiences as the Women used from the blog. And <clears> it's so funny because back then, like when I was writing this blog I was just like, my life is shit to me, my life is great to me but it became a narrative for a show. Yeah. The whole blog became a narrative for a show. I don't work with them anymore, but back then it was a great show that did The Fringe. And that was my first ever professional like performance I'd done. And I thought, oh, I really love this. That it came from a blog. It's yeah. nuts. But yeah. for me, it was never a Good to a blog because you know, I want to create a show. It was, I just want to do this because it helped me deal with everything that's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so doing um, that blog really helped me for my mental health, and I totally relate to you on that, that side of things. Um, I know a few people that did that acting course, and they're roughly serious. <laughs> um, so, in terms of that course, like, you know, I don't know many of the lecturers personally, but I do know that, uh, you know, one of my best friends was on the podcast at the beginning of the um, sort of, uh, she did an episode on polycystic omeny syndrome, and she did the same course as you, and she kind of said... She hated it. She was at one point going to go and do archaeology in Berlin, but then oh. she got in and she got into Taya Conte and went, All right, well, I'll go there instead then, in. Why not? And she went there and then she filmed it. But she got someone else, but she just didn't find that course good. And I know that in any course, my drama, course, of Queen Margaret, I hated. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I literally just from the Buy Visibility episode, uh, which was the first of this week, and we are yeah. talking about how. The QMU degree very much if the lecturers loved you, brilliant. If they didn't like you, oh, yeah, and that's yeah, just oh, like,
1: that's that's exactly the same, exactly the same. And, and I hate that. Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't great, and I mean, you know some people, I know some people in the class would have really good experiences and would say some a completely different story and viewpoint to what I would say. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. and I totally relate to you and that's the thing Like, and I totally understand and it's a very conversation that I think with time will happen with any arts related degrees it's a thing for me with the education system as a whole as a whole so um, yeah and it's do you know what so courageous of you to mention about your um, experiences with eating disorder because I had bulimia when I was 14 till oh, I was 15 and sorry was well it happened do you know what I mean like thank you that's really sweet but these are things that I I'm very good at managing now. It took a lot. I dealt with it with myself. One thing new, but I didn't tell anyone. I had a bit of a difficult thing that with having CF, I have to eat a lot. Right. So what was I going to do? So it was very triggering at the point. But um, it's great that though we both came at their end. Well done yeah. to
1: you. And, and well done to you. I think it, I think it shows, you know, there is a lot of strength to come to come through it, and it's not easy. If anyone is listening who is going through it and who hasn't started recovery or even thinking about it, you know, it is difficult. So it's not as, you know, we're sitting here being like, yeah, we've come out the other side, but it's not an easy path at all.
0: And I want to say something that might sound so shocking, but it's not to really be shocking, but I've had to like speak to a couple of friends that, you know, they started therapy and within a week they thought, that's it. Like, you know, I was the same when I went to therapy years for sex or so, That I would go during my week, hour a week, and then I'd go, right, okay, I'm done for the week. And I try to kind of really emphasize to them that this isn't a thing that you go for an hour, you go home, that's it done. Like, you have to channel this into everyday life and keep it going. And it's the same mm-hmm. with that, that, you know, these things never really go away. It's about being able to manage and control and cope. Yeah, and I definitely. think, and that's the conversation I always emphasize to them. Like, you can't be like, oh, well, if I've done it, I'm sorted. That's no how it's, like done Do you know
1: what I mean? yeah yeah oh definitely I definitely think there needs to be more of an emphasis on that because I came when I came out of therapy I was like oh that's it that. I'm fixed and that
0: felt. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah I remember like halfway through like that second year of college thinking I was all okay I remember like, really freaking out and like the best way I can describe it is like white you know the white noise that you get on tellies
0: mm-hmm. I get that yeah
1: like that in my head yeah. like that's kind of that's the best way I can describe it So that's when I like realized I was like, oh shit! I actually have to do the work. Like it's not just, you know, it's not just a switch. I get
0: that it's no switch; you can just turn it on and off. It's like a fuse box; it needs managed and taken care of. You know what I mean? And
1: still, still now, after so many years, you know, it's been like seven years, six six years since, five years since I left Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. and then seven years since I left, finished my therapy sessions. So, yeah, and it's still something I need to work on every now and again. I need to remind myself, you know, oh, it's good. It's good to
0: eat. (laughs) Yeah, and well done you for finishing therapy. It's looking, I've been doing therapy since 2017, and it's looking like I'll be finishing in January, my last session, hopefully. And I've Mm -hmm. got a great therapist that, you know, they're like, if you ever need to come back, I'm here. Oh, that's so good. But for me, it's... I want to give myself that target that I'll go once in a new year and then see how long I can go without. But mm-hmm. the pandemic has just really made me actually try a lot of things I never would have actually thought and deal mm-hmm. with a lot of things I would never have thought I would deal with. So, yeah. Um, so, when you went to study your journalism degree, where did you study that again?
1: Uh, Sterling. So, I moved to Sterling so you moved for back that to Sterling. course. Um, yeah, so I... Yeah, I applied for... I think I'd like Strathclyde at somewhere in Edinburgh and Stirling. And I really wanted to stay in Edinburgh because I had all my friends there. And Stirling, it I always like knew it was like a smaller town, so I felt like I was like taking a step back as if I was going like back to Elgin basically. Right, okay. And um I got the, the email saying, Yeah, you know, you've been accepted to Sterling. And I like I remember bursting out crying because I was like, oh my god, I have to leave everything. I've got this life that I've made for myself in Edinburgh. Um But it was honestly, like, yeah, I I definitely made the right decision. And obviously it takes time, you know, to get used to moving into a new town. I don't know anyone. Um, You know, I had, I think, one of my boss at work, she's the one who, like, helped me move and stuff like that. So it was, like, quite difficult. You know, I was basically doing it on my own. Um, And, yeah, um, but, yeah, it's always worked out really well. And, you know, I totally found my groove at, at uh at uni you know it was just yeah That's
0: it was so amazing. good and you've turned it around and do you know what like sometimes i know it's scary because a lot of people don't like change especially people that have had mental health related issues they will hate change like because i fucking I, hate it yeah i hate it <laughs> i'm like like i am like i need to be able to control what's going on around me if i can't uh, Never yeah. much more. <laughs> Never much more. You know, I control what I can do, not what other people do. Because I used to spend years being like, "Well, you should do it like this." Why don't you do it like this? Where I'm now, like, right, okay, I can control what how I react and what I do, and that's all that matters because I am my own person, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's great. So, what's your sorry? Who not what? Who is your favorite person you interviewed as a journalist then so far? Like one, who, who, like so, who I
1: interviewed? Your, mm-hmm. Oh shit.
0: If you um, just had to pick one, or I give me three, I'd like three, but I ask everyone what's their kind of favourite um, part of their job they've
1: done. Okay, so we just did an episode of Northern Natter, and we interviewed um, Jess Evans and Dana McLean. And Dana McLean, from, she's in Edinburgh as well, she's a journalist uh, for Edinburgh Live, mm-hmm. and she was such a badass, like in such a good way. Like, yeah, she was so good. Like, it was a really good episode, and I'm editing it at the moment now, hopefully to go out on Friday. Um, But honestly, like, we only said, oh, we'll only be 40 minutes. We ended up being 90 minutes. Because we just all kept on talking, and, you know, they were happy. I was like, are you sure? Like, I can send another link. They're like, yeah, go ahead. And we just chatted for so long. But Dana had such good points and good answers, and just, like... The point, the point that I want to do with my podcast is to prove, you know, people who don't know anyone in the industry, you know, not based in London or have any connection to London can still do the job. There are still ways to get into it and be successful and be respected. And Dana was just such a good voice for that. You know, she had just the right, she had the experience that I know people see it as like a a negative you know? Right, so she was okay. like, she, was, she, she said that she's like from a working class background from uh, East Lothian in Edinburgh right. and a lot of that there can be so many barriers for people you know, who maybe come from the same sort of background or low income background to get in, you know, you can't do the unpaid internships you know, that was never an option for me either because, yeah. you know, how are we meant to pay for things? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so just, yeah, so I'd say Dana so far so shout out to Dana McLean.
0: That's amazing, Thank you know, I would... I would totally add on to that. I get what you mean, because um, one thing that opened my eyes was going to art school. And this is in no way a shady comment or a dig at anyone, obviously, when I say this. But I had noticed that in the art school kind of setup that there was a very huge sort of community of everyone being middle class, having money, not having to worry about, you know, paying rent, etc. For me, what I didn't like was that when I joined, I was considered the I hate saying the expression token, but everyone kind of was like, oh, you're the working class drag queen. Do you know what I mean? And that, mm-hmm. and of so my lecturers were not like that, but obviously, you know, you got good and bad everywhere that I would very much kind of see that if I ever didn't do anything right in sort of a performance or the setup, I didn't realize going to art school that I'm obviously a performer. I've done this for like years, right? Mm-hmm. But for them, it very much was not what you perform but the way it's put together as an exhibition. And I was like, all right, okay, I get that for a thing." But I would do things that weren't the convention. Yeah. And would then get told, no, there's art conventions you have to follow. And I'd kind of go, why is there conventions in art? <laughs> it's yeah. art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how can you say art is conventional? It's art. It's meant to provoke a reaction. Um, it's, it's meant to
1: be creative. It's meant to be such a free... Uh, I don't know another word, free I
0: know thing. know what you mean. <laughs> it's maybe a free space and uh, yeah. a freedom of expression. And it just, it, honestly, it was an interesting insight. You know, I'm very much now as a person that any situation I go into, I think, well, what can I take from this as insight? Because I'm like that. I like to try and be insightful. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get annoyed at this, but is this maybe not suited for me? Because I didn't want to go in and do conventional things and be like, oh, this is how it's done. Like, I'm going go in and cause a start. And mm-hmm. my lecturer that like, set me onto the course, he was amazing. When I was finishing, I was going like, to finish the course. He said to me, like, you know, I love you doing this. You're amazing. I think you're just exceptional. And I was like, oh, okay, like, that's so good. And he was like, oh, you know, go out there and be like famous. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I was like, where did that yeah. come from? He's like, oh, like, you can do this, but I think go get famous and then you can put on fucker of exhibitions that everyone will go, oh my God, and you'll cause a stir. And I was like, all right, I mean, yeah, okay. And, and that was just not what I'd been getting told from two years from other people that were in, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so true, it, you know, unfortunately things like financial stuff, like barriers are set and I hate it. And we can, you know, we're doing our best to try and change that, but they still exist. They still are. Yeah, different.
1: it's it still is still difficult. Like you said, like with your college, uh, you know, uh, and college at in Edinburgh as well. So many people, like I say, no shade. So many people that went to private school and had all these mm-hmm. stories about their hockey clubs and I was just like,
0: what's hockey <laughs> I totally was like, what's a hockey club?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Is this like Centurion? Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, well that's what I had in my head and they were like, oh you went with your, your hockey sticks behind you and I was just like, uh, no.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you a funny um, story, at my school the academy, you Academy, know, you weren't allowed to play hockey because you'd batter each other with a stick. <laughs> so there you go, that's where I come from. <laughs>
1: yeah that must be that must have been the same for uh, up in Elgin as well. Um, but yeah, so in, in um, I don't really see like the same or in my experience at uni anyway, but this is Sterling uni. so it might be different in like Edinburgh or Glasgow uni. Um, so I didn't really see much of a divide um, with people from different like backgrounds, um, you know whether someone from like a low income or high higher, um except maybe in the film course. So I did like a joint degree with film and media and journalism. Oh, and I noticed, yeah, like I loved it. So like the journalism course wasn't the best in my experience. um, But the skills I got, I was able to use it in the film media modules. So like I was able to like, make the documentaries and I was always the one asking the questions and presenting and everything like that.
0: I, so see I could see what still you've do... done there. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so I could still use everything that I was learning in those classes and i'd be like i can be a journalist on film and radio now <laughs> um, so yeah so people who were in the film module i noticed that they had more experience with like filming or editing because they had the software because they had the computers whereas like, i didn't have like the macbooks i'm using now i didn't have that until i actually went to sterling um, and that even though like it was secondhand like i had like four family members putting in money to try and like buy it for me um, So, yeah, so, I mean, from that you can just tell that obviously I'm not from somewhere that I can...
0: You can't just buy a Mac that can
1: bring to you. Yeah. So, yeah, there was, like, I suppose that was the difference when it came to, like, actual, like, practical hands-on work. And um, I remember being, like, sat in the classroom and we did have, like, the big Macs in front of us. My head was just, like, blown. I was just like, what is this? But then there was someone, like, next to me who was like, oh, yeah, I know how to work this. We have this at home. I know how to use, like, Photoshop and everything. And I was just like, oh, well, good for you.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> totally related yeah, I to that by the way that was me in the art school because i had a mac lab and i was like this is pretty fancy and they're like your parents don't have one i'm like i don't live with my parents i'm 24. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what i mean i was like <laughs> yeah. um, so miss rona the pandemic hit yeah. what an what a, what a, oh yeah what a last and you know what's so funny <laughs> so did that episode with gary the roman Quizman. man and he had um, like had the last six months, but he's like, how's the last ten months? But I went, oh my god, it's actually been ten months um, nice. that we've done this. I mean, I actually paid someone who had said that like, oh, the last time I was in CC, I don't even know when, when that was. And I replied, like, yeah, actually, the, the next time I'll be in CC DJ is going to be a year on from when I was last DJ there. It's so surreal. And that mm. night, I never would have been like, oh, I'll be here point next week, and not. I'm gonna be here frightening. Yeah. Like. yeah, you didn't
1: you didn't realise. Like I mind like the last night we went to the pub because this was when it was all getting spoken about that the place like it was all gonna go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And um I know it was a big issue being like, oh don't go out for one last hoo-ha. I went oh, out for I'm one last hoo-ha. hoo-ha, right? <laughs> 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 Obviously. Yeah. I love, like um I love a pub. And um but we didn't think we would think it would only be for a couple of months, really. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And um I was I was a waitress during this time as well. So you know when we were all like getting told you know that work was shutting for a bit and we'd all be on furlough, it was like okay, we'll all see each other in a few in a few months. Mm-hmm. And like now we've all been made redundant and I haven't seen anyone. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry,
0: I know so many people. Well, to- I got another job, but yeah, I got another oh.
1: job, but okay. but it is another waitressing job, and it is being like a shit show anyway because of all the restrictions and stuff.
0: Mm. But
1: um, but yeah, it's just it's just what it is
0: at so- the moment. Obviously in the leading up to
1: the pandemic, what were you kind of, did you have any projects go in before that? Well, I was working, had, I had two, yeah. I think I had two things with BBC social. Oh, so
0: awesome.
1: after I graduated from uni, so instead of doing a normal like dissertation, I did a radio documentary. Wow. Yeah. So I'll have to so that people can
0: listen to it.
1: Oh, it's called When Life Gives You Eggs. It's on Soundcloud, so it's probably best if I give you a link and you can put it in the
0: thing. I'll do that for
1: you. Um, Because Soundcloud is really difficult to find things and
0: everything. Totally. But I'll, I'll link like it for you. Uh, brilliant.
1: Thank you. So that was um, nominated for like the Scottish Student Journalism Award. And people from the BBC uh, was marking it. And it got commended, so they ran her up. And then Tracy... Uh, oh God, I need to get her name right. <laughs> In case, uh, what it Jennifer Tracy? That was it. Jennifer, Jennifer Tracy. Tracy. Um, she's a producer at BBC, and she was marking it. And she said, "Oh, I think um, you would fit in really well. You know, you you've got a good like storytelling mind to you. You know, you can put sound together." Um, we're doing a thing with BBC Social with podcasts, so that's when I made my first podcast episode with BBC The Social, um, and that was like in September and October. Like, just after I graduated. And then in January, I filmed another video. Um, it's all about hospitality, by the way, for those who don't know. Um, and mental health and well-being of the staff. And then in January, I was filming at Julie's term And um, that didn't go out. And it did, eventually. But it had to wait um, when it was meant to go out. And then the hospitality industry got shut down. Basically right, I get it. So it couldn't go out because it was no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. Um so then I had to wait until like hospitality had opened up again. And then this I filmed another video once hospitality opened up again in Edinburgh, um at Azel restaurant, and the same thing happened when it was meant to go out, uh restrictions came in and we had to delay that. So yeah, it's been I mean it's been really good and like I said, like I really enjoy making. Like using like my journalistic skills and making mini documentaries, and that's what the social has really helped me sort of like hone in and give me experience with that.
0: Yeah, I think that's honestly fantastic. And um, I am developing work of being social, obviously, and it's been an experience because it's so different. Mm. But um, yeah, like it just sounds like you're doing incredible things, like behind the scenes. I'm so in awe and. The, so the hospitality video you've just done could you kind of yeah. hear a bit more story on that because I, when obviously we are making this connection with the episode I was like that's one thing I want to go into because my friends all work in either hospitality or retail I think that people that were really shafted with hospitality and the retail sector and for me I know that I like to sometimes have a wee dream in my head right, it gets me through the hard days that if I got famous and got on Graham Norton and said, oh, how did you find the pandemic, Jordan? Was it really hard? And I'd go, I think the people that found it really hard were the hospitality and the retail industry, though. I would want to say they were the real heroes, them and key workers for continuing on. Um, so would you mind kind of talking about your recent video on BC Social?
1: So that um, is how... That's, that one is about how hospitality workers have coped uh, with the pandemic. It was filmed just before the second wave, but it didn't go out until the second wave had passed <laughs> because it had to, you know, the delays in it. Um, but basically, like I said before, I was a waitress uh, just before lockdown, got made redundant, and really struggled to get another job after that. And I got one in a, another pub um, that i had been taking over new management. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, all, like all these thoughts were coming to my head. And I was like, it, it, at the time, there wasn't enough publicity on the hospitality sector as to nice. actually how we're feeling. There's more now. There's way more now. But at, at the time of filming, there was like nothing. And I was getting so frustrated with all these announcements coming out and people complaining that, oh, you've got to work from home. I'm like, at least you have a job, you know. And yeah. I know, I know everyone was affected, but... When you're hearing so many people you know at least you're getting your full wage even when we were on furlough it was still nothing basically oh, I know. you know, really, you've got to remember that we're all on minimum wage the majority if you're not you're lucky if you work in the hospitality sector and don't and above minimum wage um so we had that and i also you know i don't live at home obviously it's, um Got bills to pay and rent to pay. Got, got pills to pay, council tax, a cat, a boyfriend, you know, mouths to feed <laughs> yep. um and yeah, so the further wasn't anything. we weren't giving like any guidance. all these announcements were just coming out like two days before you know, oh, you have to open on Friday, and it was Wednesday. you know that's just not enough time as a business um to get staff ready to get stock ready yep. and um When at at the thought of going back to work, it was kind of making me nervous because I thought, oh God, if I do go like now, I'm like in in amongst more people after so many months of being locked away and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I just really wanted to like shine a light on people who are in it um, and how they were feeling. And yeah, I mean, I can sit there and talk about it, but, you know, in in a city as well, in somewhere like Edinburgh, that's a lot more busy um, compared to Stirling. It's like that environment that I wanted to to pick up on.
0: So where was the video what, I what was the restaurant that you used? again? Aisle,
1: Aisle Restaurant. It's in Charlotte Square. Uh, they are closed at the moment, as far as I'm aware. And I don't know when they plan on opening up because the pandemic has hit them, just like so many other businesses. But the staff there, if they do end up listening, they were all really brilliant. They were all really accommodating to us. Mm-hmm. And they just really tried... Yeah. Um, really tried their best
0: That it video going. was amazing and I was so happy you'd done it because so a couple months ago um, it would have been I think the announcement you're talking about that um, obviously Scotland were doing the sort of stages and um, you know England was a completely different ball game Scotland were kind of like doing the two weekly announcements at one point and they were doing stages and stuff and I remember my boss and the managers and CCs had got everything ready open on the Friday because you've got to get all the stock out, all the tables ready for, you know, a garden area, a front area because it was also so great to be outside to get in. And and it was on the Thursday, it was stocked up, prepared. Uh, I was so happy with my boss because obviously they were all like, well, that's what we have been told to. And the Friday afternoon they were like, the hospitality sector won't be opening. And I felt for them so much. The weird thing was for me, it was a double-edged sword because... I had got told I wasn't shielding anymore, so I could go for a walk. So I was like, right, amazing, I'm not shielding. But then I was really angry for my boss and for all my friends that work in that hospitality sector, because obviously I'm a DJ, but I was doing twice a month at season DJ, and yeah, I've lost the money, but I've managed to apply for self employed grants, etc. But people that work in hospitality, oh my God. It was so frustrating for them, and I just empathized with them the whole time. So, using that video, I went, I'm so glad you did that, because that was literally how they were speaking. And yeah. my friend Katrina, who's done the podcast and Policy Scobaran Syndrome Special, we did, works in a restaurant that I think at one point the government were like, right, you have to shut it six. And they were like, oh, her restaurant like, what are we going to do? Because they make their money in the afternoon, the evening. For people, they get yeah. fast food or they get booze. So they were mm-hmm. like, what are we going to do? And then the boss was like, oh, well, let's do a brunch deal at first thing in the morning. And they're never open at that time. And she said, "No, well, now we're doing this. So like, we'll be a tomorrow, blah, blah. And I went, I do find that quite hilarious, actually, just because the government are saying, oh, you need to shut this time. So it's like people will just go out earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah. what was it? When when the pubs were getting shut at 10, you know, people were like, oh, you can't stay out late and like, um... There's like a couple of pubs here who have like a later license and stuff like that during the summer, um, but people are going out at like twelve o'clock and getting and then getting gassed by three. Hard you, know, you know, just to get um, you know, just to get that feeling of going out. Um, and the place I work in now, uh, it's a very small, cozy little pub, um, and we weren't actually meant to be open like through the day, apart from the weekends. So our opening times when we first opened. Um, like in the business plan, um, it was meant to open from I think like five until twelve through the week, mm-hmm. but then obviously we can't do that, so we've had to open early. But we don't get any customers because it's not a daytime, it's not a daytime place. And six o'clock is when we get is most places get their busiest time because people have finished work, they can come out for dinner, they can come out for drinks. We don't, we don't get that. Like I'm meant to be going back to work now on Saturday, and. You know, I just don't I don't know how it's gonna be.
0: Yeah.
1: And we can't even plan anything. That's the thing. We're not getting a rotor until a couple of days before the week starts. And, and no, like and it's simply because my boss can't my boss doesn't know what to do.
0: Totally. I totally get I mean, it. so, you. It's, so it's
1: funny
0: It's funny because Gary that did the podcast for the Wednesday episode, he had said to me, you know, it made no sense what they were in the bars to were like. Um, obviously, anyone that wants to go goes after six. No one's going to go to a pub for a coffee at two in the afternoon when there's a Starbucks, a pasta, artisan mm-hmm. all up leave Walk. And I went, mean, Thank you. That's exactly it. Like, how were they meant to survive? And it's funny because yeah. your video literally talked about that, that. They were like, Oh, right now we're not that busy because all this is happening. And I was like, Yeah. Like,
1: Yeah.
0: It was so yeah. good yeah. you did the video, though. So good. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I would like to do more, but. Um... The thing with BBC Social, because it takes so long for videos to come out, um, I think that's like actually that's what I've learned from that is actually how long it takes for an idea to actually be produced, um, to get like the OKs and the contracts and all the paperwork that BBC have, Mm -hmm. and to actually then get edited and then produced and then released. I thought I could make something that could be a quick turnaround within a week, and it's just not that easy, or for me anyway, in my experience, and because I don't self shoot either. uh, Jamie Murray uh, has been my cameraman uh, sidekick for a while, so he does all the good shots. Um, So yeah, so it is so it is difficult. Um, So yeah, so I'd love to do more, but because the rules are constantly changing, the content would change. So I had an idea, and I was getting all these people being like, "Yeah, I'll get involved," and then I just had to pull the plug on it because I'm like, "There's just no way that I can do this with the rules constantly changing." Yeah,
0: it's funny. So I did an acting job for the Scottish government. All right. It's, um, and it's for an agency called Stripe. They're putting out an advert for the, they do a lot of the publicity for the government's so like TV ads or ads that are on YouTube videos, mostly COVID related. So I was doing up, everyone um, was to film themselves holding paper to say what they're staying at home for. And mine was in drag for my stage. And mm-hmm. the girl had emailed me like two weeks later, being like, I was like, I'm not been and also, like, when is it going up? So I'll share it, so we we'll make them on Thursday. So lovely, I love her. And she was like, oh, I'm so, so sorry, it's now not going to happen until January, because we've got the tier systems, and we can't get other people that were contracted to do theirs, we have to film them, and I was like, oh, God. And it's the same that as that. Like, and when I was originally doing UC Social back in August, it was a guy who was going to film me and interview me, like her, an, a, a journalist, essentially. <laughs> in, and we had to do it, in a cafe because obviously if he was inside my house at this point it wouldn't have been allowed it was stuff like that that I thought oh god you know thinking thinking these things obviously um, and I know, you know that you're the so of social because I'm loving doing my video at the moment but like I submitted a draft you know thought i done it a day thought this will be perfect here's some photos done and um, gave it um, oh loved it could you go away and do all this though and you shoot it and I went oh I we have to do that in a couple of weeks then and then when I'd had a meeting, like, what didn't you like? I'll go fix it, because I'm not, this is a new field for me. I didn't do anything TV or film related. And I was getting, oh, no, this is great, this is great. let should do something like this. And I was like, right. And I said to them, wait, do you want to, to release this? Or, or not for another few weeks? And I was like, oh, great, because that's how long it's going to take. Do right? you know what I mean? Um, and that's, again, what you're saying, that it, it is me self-shooting, so it's quite hard, because <laughs> it's not the same as having someone ask a questions and repeat, and I have to press record, sit down, do it, Check it was okay we record it, like yes. it's a mind You edit it as well. Uh, I am I can edit things, which is good. Um but I'm sure if you're obviously doing some of the social, we can maybe have a wee collab in the new year, hopefully. I think that'd be exciting.
1: I would love um, to I would love to do that.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um so obviously the pandemic's been hard for anyone, especially in our career jobs. Um, what sort of things have you been doing to cope the last 10 months?
1: Oh, um, what have I been doing? At the start, like a lot of people, I exercised. Um, I was like, yep, this is my time to get, you know, good bodies. <laughs> um, but that didn't last very long. I think that lasted maybe about, about a month. Um, and oh, you know what? Actually, to- just talking about how I'm feeling. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'm not... Um, naturally, I'm not a good speaker at how I'm feeling. Like, I can talk and talk and talk for ages. But when it comes to actually how... Uh, my emotions are and what's going through my head I tend not to speak about it um but over the this year it's just it's been really important for me to be able to you know talk to my boyfriend about actually you know if I'm feeling anxious um, and actually like say like say those words you know not just oh yeah I'm just not feeling great I'm just having a bad day um you know because at the start I was I was so emotional I was so down and like I would just, like, wake up and just, like, burst out crying. And I wouldn't... I'd be so teary. And especially when I spoke to my grandparents. My grandparents live all the way in Ireland. So I haven't been able to see them. And I'm really close to them. And I try and see them, like, a few times a year, you know, go over and visit and stuff. And obviously, it hasn't happened. And the fact that I don't know when to go and see them, you know, when, I, when I'll be... I don't know when I'll be able to go and see them next. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. So every time they phone, I would just, like, cry. But then I wouldn't be... I wouldn't want them to know that i'm upset <laughs> you wouldn't
0: want to make them upset by you being upset i relate to
1: that yeah so it's just really difficult and like i remember like one like for a few days i was just like not feeling myself and martin's like you sure you martin's my boyfriend and mm-hmm. uh, martin's like are you sure you're okay i was like yeah yeah i'm fine and one day he went through to the kitchen for like a coffee or whatever came back through and i just like burst out crying and he was just like, "Are you okay?" And I was just like, "Everything's wrong." And like that's when I decided that I was like, "Right, I need to start, you know, actually speaking about things because it's just not healthy to keep things bottled up, and especially now, because it's so easy. Because you're not doing anything, you're so stuck in your own head. And for anyone who has gone through mental illness or mental health issues, um, it's so difficult. It's it's more difficult than to try and navigate how to live healthy, basically. I have to keep your mood up. Um, so yeah, communicate um, is a really big thing for me. Yeah. And try and keep busy, try and find something to focus on, which is why my not- Northern Nata has been an absolute godsend. Mm. Um, and I only started it, me and Katie only virtually met. We haven't actually met in person. Um, so we only started speaking on a WhatsApp group I made in September. So it wasn't until then that we had the po- like started discussing the podcast and planning it. Um, and yeah, it's just been so good and actually, you know, it gives you a reason to get up, you know, and yeah, and to like sit at my desk and I'm like write, okay, I need to do this and focus and it doesn't really matter what else is going on. I need to get this edited. I need to get these questions. I need to research. Um, so yeah, and keep busy and communicate, I think.
0: It's so Isn't funny, because that's with this podcast, happened in like, July, you know, there was one week I didn't want to do it, and I was in a pure meltdown. And I'd talk, I did do the episode, and I talked. But at the beginning, I said, I won't lie to you all, I've had a horrible week, and I really didn't want to do this. But I did say, no, I will do it, because I know people are wanting it, and messaging me like, where's the next episode? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my yeah. better get it record and do it. Yeah. Um, and also... I just needed something to actually get up for the morning because it, it came in waves for me, this pandemic, that March into sort of May, I was like, okay, life is going to be horrific for God knows how long because I knew this was going to be a while for me. As much as for other people, it would have maybe been a month or two. I knew for me being a shielding category that it would have been the 12 weeks. So I went, well, how the fuck am I going to manage up 12 weeks?
1: Do you live but, alone? Do I have a lot? No, do you live alone? Yeah,
0: oh, I live shit. on my own as well. Luckily, I, um, my friend moved out in January, so I kind of became accustomed to it for two months. So it wasn't like if she moved out the weekend, it happened. And then I'd be like, fuck, what do I do? Um, I've got my two cats, I mean, they keep me busy, but mm. um, I do live alone. But do you know what? I've, I've found that quite an odd experience because I'm very lucky that I can phone people all the time and Zoom and stuff, like, even like this. Uh, but that was that was hard being in four walls on my own and having two exes, one and me, trying to hook up during pandemics and trying to be like I miss you and I'm like you don't miss me. There's a pandemic and you're drunk. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you missed me, we would have been together by now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
1: but that was exes. Exes proper came out the woodwork during the pandemic.
0: Honestly, yeah, I was just wasn't...
1: like, I was like a little. I got like a friend request and I was like. Excuse me, bitch. <laughs> like...
0: There were a lot. I actually am currently developing a show that is going to come out when it's obviously safe to put shows on again. But I'm currently speaking to a director about writing the show and getting them to direct it. And it's me performing, but it's all about the 12 weeks of the Shielding and how I went through 12 lovers And basically all 12 of my exes, I've got more than 12, <laughs> but... 12s, I'm doing the Zodiac chart and doing one was an Aquarius, one was a Taurus, my blah. But they all got in contact with me during the pandemic for the 12 weeks. And it was either, oh one was a friend request, one was a Tinder match <laughs> that I was steaming, <laughs> but one was a Tinder match, one was phoning me, one was Snapchatting me, one I ran into um, when I was literally in my front garden, walked to my street, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, so i got my front garden decorated during the children um, so I could sit outside, so it's just nuts. But um, yeah, so it was a bit of a fucker, but it came in waves that first two months, I kind I of was like, I'll do everything. Then I burned it when I can't do it then. Then June came and I did a lot of things online that did really well and got paid for them. Then I was really lucky that I started developing work for the National Theatre Scotland, which is a huge thing here in the theatre world. Then I was dating someone who was so lovely when it was allowed in August, but then they had to move back to study. And I was heartbroken because I really liked him. And then my friend passed away, so it just honestly it kind of. But then I'd won that award, so honestly it was going like this all the time. And thankfully, when in December, it's over. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been a oh,
1: I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to hear about you breaking about you breaking up in your friends. That's that's really tough.
0: Oh, uh, I think for me the biggest thing about this that actually um, it kind of really the premise of the show I'll do that. You know, life didn't actually stop for me. It, I couldn't go out in you, you know, but everything that was happening before my life still happened. All I did was sit and go, I don't want this to keep happening, if that makes sense. That's my kind of thing to it. Um, so, yeah, so it's so lovely of you to share that and say you, your things, communication, feelings, because I spent years being like, don't talk about your own team.
1: And then i get drunk and be like, oh, I'm so <laughs> Yeah. Was oh, exa- I, be, I was exactly the same. And then i wake up the next morning and be like, oh God, everyone thinks I'm crazy or like, I've let my crazy out. <laughs>
0: the fear. And you'd go, right, we don't talk about it because I want the fear. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, no one on the episode so far has actually said they'll talk to people. So thank you for that. Because I, I like to kind of, not keep a week, like Tally chart, but I like, a lot of people say keep busy. Some people said, keep busy blah that. Some people said, oh, you know, reach out if you're lonely. Some have said, creative projects, therapy. I've had a lot of those that I've actually went to Berapist Online within. and um, some people started out impressive like myself. Um, but genuinely that's the first I've heard someone of those just tell people you're upset and I love that because we all need to do that a bit more. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I know I know it's not easy at all. Like I know not. it's not easy. Um, but it even got to the point like we got like a girls group chat and I just like put in, you know, guys like I'm really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. You know Um, I'm
0: glad you did, because we all need to do that more.
1: Yeah, um, and... Because it can be so easy, especially because we're not actually, like, seeing people and we're just stuck in our houses, you know, just to sort of be like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, When, yeah, just... Yeah, so I would say just if you... Just really push yourself to just tell someone, you know, who who you can trust, obviously, and you know who can be there for you.
0: It's that expression, it's okay not to be okay. Like... And I love that. So, that's a sad chat. What are you kind of aiming to do once the pandemic eventually stops? You know, future projects, any kind of things you want to like aim target goals-wise in the new year? Yes.
1: So, I've actually been thinking about it. I had a shower today, so I had a good shower think about it.
0: (laughs) I do that all the time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I really want to learn how to self-shoot and learn how to work with Cameras and stuff. I don't have like a camera, so once we can people can like meet up again, I'd like to sort of buddy up with someone and try and learn things from them. Um, Because I just think it would be easier. And if I was to go out and be able to like make my own documentaries, I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's probably like my next big goal. Uh, We did have obviously we had like camera work at uni and stuff, but when you work in a group, you want the strongest people to do that. So I was put on, like, presenting and sound. Because, like, oh, you can do that. You've got the ear for that, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really have, like, a good chance to get my hands on a camera. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Northern Atta, I really want that to keep going. It's doing well. We've just got over 200 listeners. Um, no, 200... 200 listens? 200 listens, yeah. Um, awesome. So I'm quite proud of it, yeah. And I just hope that to keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, I want to, we're planning a sort of season two. So we kind of want to delve deeper into things and have more um, discussion about things. What I really want to do is discuss about the diversity in Scottish media, um, because it's so white. And like, I can sit here, you know, as a white this white woman and say, yes, it's so white. and But it is, <laughs> and it's just making me really angry because when I'm trying to find guests, like I said before, I just want people to say their experiences um that I won't be able to talk about and I'm it's honestly like I'm struggling to find people who don't have a similar background or a middle class background mm. and I'm like there are people out. I know there's people out there mm. you know I know Scotland is majority white but it's not all white
0: <laughs> I totally agree with you because um to be perfectly honest like I think one of the huge things about systematic racism especially when this all happened with the BLN movement, that was white people acknowledging their white privilege. And that's great that you are actually, I know a lot of people get very worried, but you going, like, I'm obviously on non-binary, but you going, oh, I'm white cis, uh, there are more people out there, why isn't this happening? We need to get more diverse things. I'm really happy you said that because I did a webinar last week with the disabled community for the SPUC, And I had talked about the fact that I felt like there wasn't enough accessibility and diversity in the arts, full no stop, and that they needed to allocate disabled artist commissions, people in the trans community commissions, like, they need to make these things available so that there's representation, do you know what I mean, and diversify it, and I totally agree with you, and I'm, I think it's great you said that, because the whole point when the systematic racism commitment was a lot of people I knew, in the community who were white were like well I don't get them. Scotland's not racist, I don't get this and I watched by Han Lavery um, Lament for Sheko Bio and it was an eye-opener, it was a fantastic show, so hot but a lot of people were like well Scotland doesn't have racism and I walked around the, the corner from my street after watching that show and there was a sticker that said what about Sheko bio on the mm-hmm. um, pillar and I went yeah. there you go, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There you go and people
1: just want to turn my eye and it is here it does happen so i'm glad you said that because it's great that you're a podcast you want to diversify it and it's amazing yeah so yeah that's what i'd like to do i just i don't I, um i don't you know we're not planning the episode <laughs> um but i think what i'm going to discuss with katie uh tomorrow night is to try and maybe get like guest host on it Um okay. Okay. you know and see if people can want to do that and you know maybe more conversations and maybe issues that we haven't thought about might come up
0: with it's that. Like a, it's like a serious SNL type thing that you get guests on to post like that, but not obviously yeah. as farcical. It's more like
1: yeah.
0: it. <laughs> I like that, that's so nice. Um, where can yes. people find you on social media? So you can
1: follow. Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, it's Katie, with an I-E, underscore W, journo, and Northern Nata is just Northern Nata on Twitter. Uh, so, Northern okay. Nata is also on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And some other things, but I don't think people really use them. So just Spotify and Google Podcasts.
0: Spotify is the only link I put for mine, because I know all my friends are either musicians or um, artists that use Spotify. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't link anywhere else, but that's amazing. Thank you. Um, Okay. It's been such a lovely, honestly, experience interviewing and getting to chat to you. Um, I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me on.
0: Oh, Oh, not at all. Um, And I'm sure we will work together in the future, which is an exciting kind of thing to look forward to the new year. Um, Every episode we sum up everything with a quote from the guest. And I would love for you to share your quote, if that would be okay?
1: Yes, I've got it written down so I don't mess it up. So this quote quote is something that I found when I was 18, uh, when I was in college, going through that really tough shit time. But it's something that I've always held with me. And it's always come back. Into my brain, um, whenever I've needed it. So, an arrow can only be shot by pulling it backwards. When life is dragging you back with difficulties, it means you're going to launch into something great. So just focus and keep aiming.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's my (laughs) favourite.
0: I know that quote as well. It's one of my Mm -hmm. favourite quotes.
1: I'm just so glad you shared it. Yeah, I used to when I was in college. I wrote it down like on every page in my notebook. It's quite sad, but it's just so every time I like get to that page, I'm like, don't freak out. <laughs> it's
0: not sad at all. Katie Williams, <laughs> thank you so much for your joining me. I've been delighted. It's honestly been so lovely.
1: Thank you so much, Jodie. It's absolutely been a pleasure.
0: This was honestly such an incredible episode. I know that I say that every time, but speaking about my eating disorder publicly, I've never actually done that. I've done it occasionally on Instagram, story, but I've never actually publicly talked about it because it was a huge chapter in my life that was dealt with within sort of a year of turning 15. Um, I'm really glad that I can talk about that and come at the other end. You know, it's never left me. I have to watch how I treat my relationship with food all the time. And luckily, I'm in a position now with CF that I don't have to, on this new CF medication, eat 24-7 like I did before. And one of the things that used to trigger me was having to eat all the time, as it would. So it was honestly great that Katie brought the conversations about eating disorders. Thank you so much, Katie. You honestly, truly did inspire me in this episode. So funny, because that quote that Katie discussed was a quote that my physio told me years ago. She had a arrow tattoo on her arm, and when I asked her why, She told me about that quote. What a perfect way to end the episode. Thank you, Katie. After having a conversation um, after the episode, that me and Katie will potentially pitch in the new year to the BBC Social, a video um, idea we've got. And you'll see more of that in the future, hopefully, as well as an interview that Katie would like to conduct with me for a newspaper magazine online article, which is very exciting please do, do give Katie a follow on her social media handles and I have next week a drag queen joining me, Glas queen Glas queen, glass, queen, glass go, drag queen and I look forward to sharing that episode next Friday till then stay safe and remember to breathe Ask Delight Real People, Real Stories Podcast it's a local.